Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Well, what a wonderful weekend we had. Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I, I do love to teach. I was born, in, I don't have any testimony of murders and gang violence and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I mean, that's just, I was born and raised in a church, and so uh, I was born under a very strict religious system, and uh, it was very stifling, and so I have made it my heart's passion to teach the unadulterated word of God to set people free, and so it was really beautiful to um, see that many people pack it on a weekend for a topic that we hold so dear in this house and it, it, was, it was surprising to me. And then, uh, it, people just kept coming in and coming in. And we had seats up on the ramp. And I'm like, praise God. You know, bring them from north, south, east, and west. This is just the beginning. We keep the momentum going from the send. And so we're just really excited. But I, I, I really believe in teaching. I really believe in getting into the word. Because belief is such a powerful thing. And if we, the Bible says, do not be, the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so... You can go on the internet, you can go on YouTube, and people believe in all kinds of crazy stuff. Me and Darren Armstrong and, and Rosie, sometimes we get together and we talk about all the conspiracy theories and things that are going on. And people believe in some crazy things, you know. I mean, there's, how many videos are there just on UFOs alone, you know. And, and I know, I'm sure there's people here, so I'm not trying to offend anyone that believe in some crazy things. I don't know what you believe in, but I'm telling you, I believe in an Aldi. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a witness, I've seen him. I believe in an Audi Castillo. Yep. So you may believe in UFOs and Bigfoot and Chupacabra, but I believe in an Audi. Amen. So we're going to pick up right, or just going to continue on in the series. <laughs> right from the series, we're teaching on prayer. And I want to uh, uh, teach this morning on a subject on uh, spiritual warfare. The title of this message is Keys to the Kingdom. My text is Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. No, I didn't give anything to Zach. We're going to fly. I've been very busy this week. I apologize. And so Matthew chapter, most of the scriptures are from New King James. Most, I'll let you know if it's not. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so I believe very strongly in spiritual warfare but there's been a lot of sensationalism, and I want to uh, unmask some of the clouds. So you, you know, you go into a Christian bookstores, if you could find one these days, and there's so much information and books on that topic. And uh, just like I was telling the class this week, there's so many things that I, I grew up believing in the church simply because they taught it. And I figured, well, if they taught it, it must be true. But Jesus said, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. And I found something really interesting when I began to read the Bible. And that everything that he says, people teach. And so I want to talk about this subject on spiritual warfare, because as we begin to move and grow and ascend in things of the spirit, we are going to attract attention in the spirit realm. And unless we know how to engage properly, we can become what my mentor called needless casualties of war. And so a lot of the two main verses that people teach on when it comes to spiritual warfare, I want to touch on it. And then I'm going to talk about how we actually engage. When Jesus said, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom, what were those keys? Plural. What were actually those keys? And we're going to talk about that. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, 
rulers of darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So make no mistake, there is a demonic kingdom, and there is warfare that goes on. And so there's been a lot of, t- I've been actually to meetings, and I've had to run out and hide, and, but where you get, you get into these big prayer meetings, and I've been to them all around Florida, where they get together and they map regions, and they begin naming principalities and powers over particular areas, and it gets pretty interesting and pretty fascinating uh, because it is factual, because you have people that are prophetic and people that are prayer warriors and they hear from the Lord correctly, but then they begin to gay, engage in an improper manner. So number one is that verse, Ephesians 6.12. Another verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, for the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so they take those two verses, they couple them together, and then they begin to stop and engage in spiritual warfare that winds up causing more damage than if they never prayed at all. Because what they wind up doing is they're marrying these two verses and they're taking things out of context. You guys doing all right? You guys awake? All right. So we're going to get into the book here. And so I want to talk about this because when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, if, if I were to get into a wrestling match with Ronnie, it is hand-to-hand combat. Does that make sense? Anybody ever watch wrestling? I grew up watching wrestling. Andre the Giant. I know some of you kids are probably, you remember, anybody remember Andre the Giant? Right? Bruno San Martino and Ric Flair and woo! And so, and so, but wrestling is hand-to-hand combat. It's not aerial warfare. And what happens is when they say, you get into these meetings, and I talk about, we cast down these principalities. No, we were never called to cast down principalities and powers. We wrestle against them when they come into our realm. I'm going to build on something here. When it says, we, the weapons of a warfare in that corner are mighty through God to the putting down of strongholds. There is a semicolon because then the Apostle Paul begins to identify what those strongholds are. Imaginations, thoughts, and knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Okay? You see, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is the power of God. So Jesus Christ was not crucified in hell. He was not crucified in hell. The Bible says he was crucified on a hill named Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, because he knew that the power of the cross had to be applied in the area that we would experience the greatest level of warfare, and it was not against principalities and powers, but it was against the person that you get up and look at in the mirror. It's your thoughts, it's your imaginations, and it's your knowledge that you've allowed to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Even in the Greek, when you look at it, behold, whatever you you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, how it actually reads in the Greek, in the syntax structure, is what you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Because Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. You need to understand this because, and I was teaching on this weekend, and my students that were there this weekend, we went over the heavenly judicial system. There is a battle over jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is a powerful word in the spirit. In Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, The heaven... Even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. 
This is where our authority is at. This is why he told Adam. And then Jesus Christ came and restored, gave the key, the authority back to us that Adam had handed over to the enemy. It says in Proverbs 28.2, Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. So you need to understand that principalities and powers are allowed to be there by God as the judgment of sin against the land. And for us to pull them down simply by trying to cast them down and revile angelic majesties, we are coming against the, the authority of God. Mm, it's quiet. So let me give you an example. In Jude, verse 8, it says, talks about how men who defile the flesh and reject authority and they revile angelic majesties. But even Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued over the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce a railing accusation against them, but said, the Lord rebuke you. If the archangel Michael had to say, the Lord rebuke you, what makes us think that we can just pull down principalities and powers? All right, we got four people. That's great. And it goes on to say, but these men revile things which they do not understand. You've got to understand by the end of this morning. They, they do not understand the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, and by these Things, they are destroyed. All authority, say all authority. All authority, all authority is from God. Okay, because even when Job was attacked of the enemy, it was by permission of the Lord. Romans 13 says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. Those, this is NLT, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I'm not trying to discourage warfare. We need to war. It's just how we war, and we're going to get into that. And it's important that we war. Revelation tells us why we war. In Revelation chapter 12, I know we're flying through this, but that's all right. Um, I don't know how much you read throughout the week, but you're going to have a, a full course meal this morning. And Revelation chapter 12, it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, and the dragon is Lucifer, the devil, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child, to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she may fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13, 14, and 17. Thank you. Verse 17, then the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So she was given two wings and was able to fly away from the presence of the enemy. I love it when Bob Jones used to say, you need to ascend in worship to, to a place up the mountain that is above the snake line. There is a level of altitude that you reach in God that snakes cannot go in mountains. And I've been to the highest point of elevation of about 45 states in this nation, and, and it, there's almost nothing up there. Hardly even any, any birds. And there's a level that's above the snake line. The snake represents the demonic forces. And we need to, that's the reason why we praise and why we worship, because we are ascending into the very presence of God. And there is a place that we can ascend that is above the snake line. So I want to talk to you about, he says, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom. So if we're not pulling down principalities, but we are supposed to pull down what? Our, right, the strongholds. And what is the stronghold? The stronghold is the thoughts 
The knowledge and the imagination, it forms a fortress. It forms a castle. That's what the, strong, the picture is in this, of the stronghold. And what happens is in this castle lurks demonic entities that are in your life. And those are, those, and, and it's not much to battle. We pull down the strongholds. We eliminate and destroy the castle, and then light just dispels darkness. How many of you have ever flipped a switch on going into a room and you got to wait because the light is just battling the darkness? No, you walk into a room, you flip the switch, and the light is on. There's no battle. God shows up, and the enemy's gone. And if you're flipping the switch and it's not doing it, it's because there's some strongholds that you've allowed to be there. You're not thinking right. You're not imagining right. You're not believing right. I still believe in Analdi, but you're not believing right. So we're going to talk about the keys of the kingdom, okay? Now, when he talks about the key, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom, what is the context of which he said those words? Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 17, and then verse 19. And Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the anointed of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my heavenly Father has revealed it unto thee. And then, I, and then he goes on to say in verse 19, that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what was the key? The key was the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. When we, what was he doing? He was ascribing unto the Lord who he is. What did we do for about half hour and 45 minutes? We were ascribing to the Lord who he is. The first set of keys is worship. The first set of keys is praise and worship. And this is how we engage in warfare against the enemy. We don't focus on the enemy. What you focus on, you make room for. We need to focus on the Lord. What you focus on, you make room for. So this is the power of praise. When we bind and loose, we're addressing God. We are ascribing unto him who he is. We are praising his name. We are worshiping. We went over the seven redemptive names of God, but we talked about the 365 names of God and how you can meditate upon his name every single day of the year. And this is how we bind principalities. It says in Psalm 149, it says in Psalm 149, verse 6 and 8 and 9, says, let the high Praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. For what? To bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment of, that is written. And this honor has all the prayer warriors. No, it doesn't say that. This honor has the whole fivefold ministry. No, it doesn't say that. This honor has all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. It is our honor to worship God, and when we worship God with spirit and in truth, principalities and powers are bound. It is the instrumental law of battle. In Numbers chapter 10, the sons of Aaron and the priests, Moses, God told Moses, Aaron and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and this shall be an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Therefore, when you go out to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and then you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. 
Numbers 31, 6, then Moses sent them to war, 1,000 from each tribe, and he sent them to war with Phinehas, the son of Eliezer the priest, with the holy articles and the trumpets in his hand. When it came time for deployment, because there were 12 tribes of Israel, and the way they would work, the way they would battle is they would meet in a valley, and it would, one army would come down this mountain, and the other army would come down this mountain, and it wasn't, it was, it wasn't very wide, and so they got together like, well, Lord, there's 12 tribes, who should go first? Which tribe you wanted to go first? And it says in verse, in chapter uh, 1, verse 1, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? To fight against it. And the Lord said, send Judah first. Yeah. Judah in the Hebrew, Yehuda, means to praise with hands lifted up. Yeah. A sword in one hand and an instrument in another. Judges chapter 20 verse 18 and the children of Israel arose and went to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, which of us should go first to battle against the children of Benjamin? See, it's not just enemies on the outside, but sometimes we have enemies on the inside. Benjamin was the brother. And the Lord said, send Judah first. This is how you fight. This is the keys of the kingdom. This is how we bind. This is how we loose. Why Judah? Because his father had prophesied to him in Genesis chapter 49, verse 8. He says, Judah, you shall be whom your brothers shall praise, and your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies, and your father's children shall bow down before you. Because when your hand is on their throat, on their neck, you're choking them. I was talking about yesterday. I retired in 2015. I was a firefighter. And in the state of Florida, you have to be an EMT or paramedic to be a firefighter. And if we got on scene and someone had been dead for several minutes and it was due to cardiac arrest, we probably could bring them back to life. There's a difference between clinical death and cellular death, and that was a clinical death. Cellular death is when there's no oxygen going to the brain. At that point, outside of a miracle from God, they're gone. He didn't say you're going to punch him in the chest and give him a heart attack. He says, Judah, your hand will be on the neck of the enemy and cause a permanent blow to the kingdom of darkness. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, it came to pass that when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took the harp and played. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Anybody recognizing a pattern here? Praise and worship, warfare. Okay, Revelation chapter 15, verse 2. Hopefully you have a five-point harness on you because I know we're going fast. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having swords in their hands. Now, having the harps of God. Because of the harps representing music, this is how they overcame the enemy. Praise and worship. When we praise and worship God, when we don't focus on the enemy, when we focus on God, look what happens. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22, And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Mobad, and Mount Seir which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. They were smitten. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We were talking about hymns this morning in prayer, the importance of hymns, not just new songs, right? It's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It says, and by at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the jail cells were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. People that are in bondage will be set free when we begin to praise and worship God. He didn't say, I'll give you the key to the kingdom. He said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. The first set of keys is praise and worship. What about the second set of keys? Well, he defined what the keys are. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. He doesn't say it once. He says it twice. But the second time he says it, he says it in a very different context. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him your fault between him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't hear you, take two, three, one or two witnesses. So at the mouth of every two or three witnesses, everything could be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, let him be unto you as a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Bible says we've been given in, first, in 2 Corinthians 5.18 the ministry of reconciliation. It's not about focusing on the enemy. There is some demonic activity going on in some of our lives, some of our homes, some situations we've been in, and is due there, again, jurisdiction because of lack of forgiveness. So we'll see how God demonstrated in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he said, right? And what happened when he said those words? In Matthew 27, verse 51 through 53, after he said those words and gave up the ghost, it says, Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earthquake, the rocks were split, the graves were opened, and the body of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the graves after this his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The moment Christ chose to forgive, he bound the enemy, the veil was rent, the earth shook, and the dead were raised. There is power in forgiveness. This is how you bind the devil and you loose the Holy Spirit. Not that we loose him like we have him contained, is that he hasn't been allowed to go anywhere because of our unforgiveness. We keep him out. When he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, Paul gives us insight as to what happened in the spirit realm. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, in the NIV, it says, And when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave us of all sins, having canceled out our legal indebtedness. Remember we talked about that yesterday? Legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and having taken it away, he nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, and made an open show of them and triumphed over them. When he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he, he disarmed principalities and powers. You want to bind principalities and powers? Forgive yourself. 
Ask God to forgive you. Forgive your brother. Make it right. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Stephen did the same thing. It says in Acts chapter 70, uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 60, it says, He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. That's the NLT version. And, when he, when, and after that, he died. And the Bible goes on to say that Saul was there. They brought his clothes to him, and Saul was there consenting to his death. What's the very next scene we see of Saul? He's on his road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, he gets knocked off the horse. Because the demonic oppression and spirits that were operating through Paul were disarmed when Stephen said, forgive them. He bound the enemy and loosed the power of the Holy Spirit. One deacon's word of, of, of forgiveness, because he understood the ministry of reconciliation, released one of the greatest apostles the early church had. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 34, this, this, this story here just blew my mind. You know, when you talk about offending someone, Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our And we know we're talking about offenses, but why did he use the word debt? You ever hear somebody say, well, you owe me apology, right? You are indebted to me. So listen to this story. In Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 1 through 3, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and all of his army, and all the kingdoms of the earth, under his dominion, it was the greatest empire at the time, and all the people fought against Jerusalem and all its cities, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon. Don't you love those prophecies? And you're going to lose, all right? And he shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon, and he shall speak with you face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. Immediately when that happens, Zedekiah goes back in to do what any minister really should do when they mess up. They get into the word of God. How did I miss it? And he found something. Man, there's something that we missed. He looked it up. It was in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant remission of debts. In other words, you shall forgive debts. This is the manner of remission. Every creditor shall release whom he has loaned to his neighbor, and he shall not exact it out of his neighbor and his brother, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. So what happens is people would owe a debt, and at the end of seven years, they were supposed to be canceled, but people were not canceling their brother's debts, and they were taking their brothers and putting them in prison. And because they violated the law of God, it released and unleashed, because the Bible says God sent the king of Nebuchadnezzar. The same chapter, Jeremiah 34, verse 8 to 10. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. After King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people who were in Jerusalem to do what? To obey that verse in Deuteronomy. To proclaim liberty to them that every man should set free his male and female slave, a Hebrew man and woman, that no one should be kept a Jewish brother in bondage. Now when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free his male and female slaves, that no one should keep them anymore in bondage, they obeyed them and they let them go. They said, this is what we got to do? Awesome. But that's not the end of the story. 
Verse 11 says, but afterwards they changed their mind. And they took back the slaves that they had freed and enslaved them again. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah again. I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his princes into the hands of the enemies and the hands of those who seek their life and into the hand of the king of Babylon's whose army which had gone back from you. So listen to what happens. He gives them the word of the Lord. Hey, you know, because you, know, you guys are in sin. God is releasing Nebuchadnezzar. So Zedekiah goes, reads the word, proclaims the word. People repent. They begin canceling out debts. In the middle, Nebuchadnezzar en route to Jerusalem. All of a sudden, he's like, over there for? Everybody turn around. home." He didn't know why. He just did. But as soon as they, they, as soon as they changed their minds, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar is like, no, no, we need to go back there. And they ransacked them. They bound the enemy, but then they loosed them again. They forgave their brothers, but then they held on to it. I can forgive, but I can't forget. This is why it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Jesus' message when he came, he said in Matthew 4, 17, from the time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. What you do is a result of how you feel. And how you feel is a result of how you think. The word repentance means to change the way you think. Because Jesus knew if you change the way you think, you'll change how you feel and you change how you act. He didn't want to deal with the fruit. He wants to deal with the root of the issues. So this is what he preached, and this is what he taught his disciples. Repent, change the way you think, for the kingdom of God is right here. Change the way you think, and it's right here. So he sends out 70, and he sends them out two by two, and the seven in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, 18, and 21. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know what Jesus said right after that? And he said to them, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. When they went to preach, they didn't go binding principalities and powers. They preached repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The people repented. And when they repented, then the principalities and powers that had jurisdiction lost jurisdiction. And they were bound and cast to the earth. I want you to stand with me. It goes on to say in verse 21, in one translation, that Jesus was so happy that he leaped for joy for an hour. You finally get it. It's not about calling down fire. It's not about wiping out this town. It's about forgiveness. I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. Behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom. This house is moving and ascending in the things of the spirit, and we will attract demonic activity and attention and we have been given keys to the kingdom to bind and to loose and those keys are to focus on the Lord, to worship him to praise him, to exalt his name, but the cross isn't just vertical, it's horizontal we have got to make it right with our brothers, we've got to make it right with our sisters, we have got to forgive because if we don't then we give place to the devil, it's all about jurisdiction 
Paul said, do not give place to the devil. Trying to be respectful of time here. So I wanted to just cut it right here. If you have engaged in, in this type of spiritual warfare in terms of binding and loosing, understand that this is sin. But understand that if you confess your sin, just agree what it is. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so I want to have an altar call. And PG, if you could come and help me because you're the master of altar calls. My anointing's in the classroom. His anointing's in the altar. The good thing is we have a multiplicity of gifts. But I also want to do an altar call. If, if this, if there's, and, and, I, and I know that we're a church that we, you know, we believe in repentance and we've asked the Lord to forgive us of our sins, but if there's someone, I want you to close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, show me, is there anyone that I've harbored unforgiveness? Because what you've done is you've placed yourself in a prison and you've held the hand of the Lord back from blessing you. Oh, but I ask the Lord for forgiveness. How come I'm not being forgiven? Because if you don't forgive your brothers, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. Sorry, I can't put white out and change the scripture. If there's someone that you harbor any bitterness towards, now is the time to come forth and if the elders could come to the front and, and help us pray. Maybe you've done something. Lord, is there anything that I've done? The Bible says if you remember that, that your brother has ought against you, an offense against you, put your gift to the side and make things right. Then present your gift. Maybe it's something that you've done. And even if it wasn't really wrong, but they perceived it to be wrong, humbling themselves isn't humiliating yourself. It's lifting someone else higher. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given keys to the kingdom to bind the devil and to loose the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. I want to say this while everyone's closing their eyes. Stay here, Harvest. I feel the Holy Spirit here. How many feel the word just pounding in your heart? You know, he said something that's very powerful that I want to, I want you to, when you say we bind this, we loose, well, you, you can loose yourself. Isaiah 52 says, loose yourself from the bonds. Oh, daughter of Zion, will you lose yourself by forgiving yourself? So I, I feel there's two things we need to do. We're, we're talking about spiritual warfare this morning, but it's not what we used to. Because when we think of spiritual warfare, people get excited because we're, we're thinking we're going to pray in tongues for a half an hour, or that's great, or, or spend another half hour addressing demons. Let me tell you something. The word of the Lord came very clear today. Maybe there's legal access of maybe oppression in your life it doesn't mean possession demonic possession, but maybe there's demonic oppression because you have failed to forgive yourself maybe you haven't forgive someone else that's close to you or maybe now this is something that i felt while you were speaking some of you need to ask some of you are just angry at god and you need to say lord i for forgive me for being angry at you can i hear an amen Forgive me for being angry at you. And let me tell you something. When you do that with your heart, something's just going to lift off of you if you do that. And then when you do that, you couple that with lifting your hands in worship because that's one of our weapons is, is praising God. So imagine if we address issues of unforgiveness or even, this is, this is important, repentance. Because when we repent, 
of certain things that we have uh, failed to let go, it opens the door for heaven to come and dis disarms the powers of darkness. How many want to disarm the powers of darkness? Whoa, I feel the Holy Spirit. Uh, let, let's, let's sing right now because I feel the Holy Spirit right now. We're going to disarm the power of darkness by forgiving yourself, by asking even to repent. Lord, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm in the back or, or I'm doing this secretly or I'm, I'm yielding to, to, to lust or anger. The Lord says it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And when you come into that repentance and you release those people that hurt you, even if you release God this morning, even if you say, God, forgive me for being angry at you. Or even if you say, God, I ask you to forgive me. I forgive myself for being angry. I forgive myself for being bitter. I forgive myself. I loose myself. What's going to happen is your praise is going to go to another level. Your freedom, your house, your culture is going to go to the next level. And then if that's you, I want you to lift up your hands because we're going to worship as a key to disarm the demonic forces that we've allowed jurisdiction in because unforgiveness actually stops our praise, which is a weapon. Come on, lift up your hands right now before the Lord. Come on, come on, come on. If you need to repent, if you need to ask for forgiveness, right now do it. We're going to worship. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.